Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontiverac. Today in the house, the doc, Dr. Michelle K. Johnson, who is the Gaston Chair of Business at Loyola University, New Orleans College of Business. Michelle is an executive coach with over 20 years experience. She was named to the prestigious 100 Coaches Group, which consists of top executive coaches from around, around the world, I happen to be part of that. That's where Michelle and I met, and we got talking all kinds of leadership. Now, her PhD is in communication from Louisiana State University. Her new book, The Seismic Shift in Leadership, shares what she's learned in her years as an executive coach, and primarily that connection drives results, and it's the key to a leader's success. She's joining us from her beloved hometown, of New Orleans. Michelle, so good to see you. Thanks for coming on, dropping by today. Now, the book is amazing, um, front to back. Uh, and so it really yeah, explores. A thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I just want to say thank you. I'm so excited to be with you today and all of your listeners. Oh, well, um, I had to have you on here because we seem to be cut from the same cloth and we kind of knew that before, but the book really does an excellent, like a fantastic job of exploring um, that shift. And obviously it's in the title, but where we need to go and where some leaders have actually taken themselves from that kind of authoritarian, dogmatic, autocratic command and control nonsense to the the essence of, well, if you're not meaningfully connecting with people, inclusive of yourself and the organization and the team, so three, we'll get into those, you say that connection drives results. So we're going to start there. What does that mean and why is it so important? Yeah, I feel like um, the toothpaste is not going to go back into the tube. <laughs> so we're coming out of this pandemic and we not, we're not going to go back to business as usual, which was very, at least the American form of that was unbelievably action, 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 achievement, yeah. achievement, achievement, results, 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 sometimes at all costs. And what we're finding now is employees have more power than they've ever had before. And they are speaking up and saying, no more jerk bosses, no more toxic cultures. I'm out. I can't do that anymore. It is so not good for my mental health. Mm. I don't show up as the best version of myself. When I was teaching abroad in Rome this summer, I was on my book tour. And so I was lecturing about my book to a big group of students. And I said, raise your hands. How many of you all remember meals, sitting down with your parents and having those meals turn negative and affecting your family because of jerk bosses and toxic cultures? 90% of them raised their hand, Dan, that nobody wants to live like that anymore. And I think the time is ripe now for us to say, you don't have to, you know, we spend most of our lives working. So why not create positive spaces? Why not create cultures of connection rather than cultures of fear? <laughs> so good. I mean, you had me at hello. However, before we dive into kind of the three connection points that you've actually dug up in the interviews that you've done and, and what you've gleaned from your executive coaching, I, it seems to me that, you know, whether you look at Blessing White or Great Place to Work or Gallup, like all of the engagement surveying seems to say the same thing for the past 20 years. And that is, there's only about, depending on what survey, right, a third of half of us that are, quote, engaged and we know that when we're engaged, typically a lot of that's coming from the motivating connection factors that a leader has on the team member. So 
why why are we stuck? I like where what I just don't get why we're still where we're at. That's a really great question. And I remember um, just a, a few months ago, I was out in California, a little closer to you, working with Qualcomm and Don McGuire is the chief marketing officer and their whole motto at Qual- Qualcomm is connectivity. Oh. So during the pandemic, he would fly me out whenever there was a little window during the variants of COVID, he would fly me out and fly his, his top leaders from around the world in to some sort of hotel, beautiful hotel, and say, we have got to meet in person because Mm -hmm. we've got to build trust and psychological safety. Some people, the majority of the people that they hired had never met. And and you know that in order to truly connect, you need some face-to-face time. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, we did that every quarter during the pandemic and got to this penultimate fireside chat with he and I, and he got my books for everybody, which was amazing. (laughs) And and, and at the very end, he said, any questions? And, And one of the leaders raised his hands. He said, Don, we do an, an employee engagement survey every year. So I know about that. He said, but what we're now being told, it takes even more. It takes intentional, meaningful connection. How do we know if we're doing that? The oh, yeah. survey doesn't really ask about that. So I think I, I love your point. You're absolutely right. Engagement is saying like Morag Barrett's new book, you know, we need a friend at work, right? Yeah. We need those connections. I think the reason why my book hit number two on Amazon and is an Amazon bestseller because of the timing of this message that now we are coming out of the pandemic and and realizing the connection is everything and people feel so disconnected and leaders are really struggling with how to do all of this and create community on a Zoom call day after day. And people are using the words like I've become a Zoom zombie. You know, this isn't good for me. What are we gonna do? So you're right, we're all, we all need real concrete strategies for how to do this because it's not going away and we need human connection. Well, I love your strategies. Uh, As you break down kind of the book, you know, you've got sort of three types of connection. You've got yourself, your team, and your organization. So I want to, if we can, maybe spend a little bit of time on each of those three because you have some very practical and wise suggestions and they're not, you know, from uh, from a genie or out of a bottle, right? You've actually done the research and said this is how uh, great leaders are are using these forces, if you will, of, for good. So, on the connection of of self or yourself, you're you're effectively saying, um, you know, your foundation of connection is about authenticity, and so you come up with strategies and, and effective techniques like owning your story. Uh, giving up perfection, and then the last one is uh, your owning your communication style. So take us a little bit through the authenticity piece of connecting with yourself. Yeah, so I don't want the listeners to think that, oh, yeah, Michelle wrote a book about connection. She just must be really good at connection. No, I was horrible at it. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I went to do the, I almost failed. And I think that's probably what prompted me to ultimately write the book. When I started seeing some of my leaders failing because Mm -hmm. they weren't good at connecting, I thought, oh, my gosh, that almost happened to me. If I didn't have a dean who really cared about me and said, Michelle, why are your teaching evaluations low? You're not connecting with your students. Huh. And I'd say, 
I don't know. I'm doing everything that all of my mentors are telling me to do. I walk in and I give them orders and I slam the door if they're late and I don't put up with this and rah, rah, rah. You know, he's like, ooh, hmm, <laughs> maybe you might want to try some different strategies. So I really had to learn that that old command and control, which I thought is what it took to be a successful MBA professor in the College of Business, and it just didn't work. And so right. I really, really hard. I was so scared to be myself. I didn't think I was going to be successful. And so I first had to go, this is years ago, because I was 28 years old at the time coming out of my PhD as a first-time professor. So I felt like I had a lot to prove. I was insecure. I put a wall up. I tried to be somebody else. I made every mistake you could make. So through my journey of trying to figure out, okay, I'm going to take a huge risk and I'm actually going to lean in and be authentic and yeah. see how that works. I'm going to do experiential activities and, and role plays on connection and getting to know everybody and creating this culture of connection in my classroom and see if that works. So I almost used my, my classroom like a lab to experiment on all these different strategies. So I figured it out. And then I started seeing my leaders fail that I was coaching because they were also subscribing to the old command and control. And I loved some of the language, Dan, that you used. I should have written it down. Like you were like dogmatic, autocratic nonsense. That's exactly right. And so these leaders that I was coaching, they were getting pushed out. So I learned first, you have to own your journey and figure out your challenges really are what made you, you, and how you recovered, right? How you got stronger, how you forged um, and pushed through and then give up perfection because the leaders who were not succeeding, I figured out we're all trying to be perfect. Um. And the definition of perfection was different to each of the leaders. And I realized perfection equals disconnection. If Ooh. you are uncomfortable in your own skin, like I was, like these leaders were, trying to walk in the office and put on your professional self, and you're just not real, then you have a wall up and that creates disconnection. So all those leaders that were getting pushed out, they weren't just dogmatic and authoritarian. They were not comfortable in their own skin. So I realized it is all about connection. So when you don't have connection with your team, you're not a leader, but it starts with you and your, your ability to be comfortable in your own skin. Gosh, I love that. Um, this is gonna sound like name dropping, but uh, I, I wrote a book. My first book was called Flat Army. And the reason I chose Flat Army as a title was that um, I found in my research that the word army comes from armada. And armada is, of course, a flotilla. And a flotilla is a bunch of boats moving from point A to point B. But every boat has a captain and there's a crew. And so if you kind of analogously look at an organization, you have a bunch of departments that are led by you know, a leader of some sort. So we, we in fact, want Still, there's a hierarchy that needs to, to play out, to your point, but can we do it in a more benevolent, caring, authentic way without having to put on what I call the Teflon suit when you show up at work, thinking you have to be someone that you're not as you are moving from point A to point B? Is that kind of ring for you? Does that resonate? Oh, my gosh. You said it beautifully. Yes. Yes. I love the language that you used to describe things. Yes. I had no idea that army came from. What, I know. Uh, yeah. I, I I used to read the dictionary as a kid because I'm a weirdo. So I would always go digger deeper on some of the etymology of the words. 
And for some reason, Army and Armada stuck with me. Okay, it's not about me, it's about you. So the second of the three uh, connection types is team. And what I loved about this is your use of the word compassion. And so the three kind of, uh, I guess, sub parts to compassion in connection with team, you, you ensure that you want leaders to show care and compassion for the whole person. I love how you use the word whole, by the way. Uh, you you advocate for a listening first um, attribute of leaders, and also uh, you brought up act as a servant leader in the ways in which that you're interoperating with people. So take us through the whole notion of compassion as a as a team connector. Yeah. So again, when we were all in lockdown and seeing you know your home and seeing you as a full human with your children and spouses running through and UPS men and dogs and cats. And, and, and I think that was really good for us to realize that we're not just this business person, mm-hmm. that we're a full human. And it was, it was those leaders, um, I ended up doing a pulse check during the, the crisis and figuring out what's working from a leadership perspective and what's not working. And, and I would interview all these people on Zoom and they'd say, it's not business as usual. The leaders who are not succeeding right now are just showing up like nothing has changed. They're Uh ignoring the baby. They're ignoring that there's COVID. They're still just wanting the results and, and, and going after the agenda. And they said that the leaders who are really succeeding right now are saying, you know what, let's go around and let's just begin on a scale of one to 10. How are you all doing? And I'll never forget this particular call I was on. One of my clients um, is now the CEO of the biggest employer in the state of Louisiana. And I think that he, he was just named this position. He was the chief financial officer. And he would have me in on all of his team meetings on Zoom. And he'd usually, you know, just, I don't know why, but it was brilliant for me because I really got to see him in action. Mm-hmm. And the, I'll never forget, Dan, this particular call. It was right when we had thought that COVID was over and this is a hospital system. So they really had it tough. Yeah. And then it came back, Delta came back and then we had to go back and New Orleans was at the epicenter. I mean, it was tough here, right? And so we're all back and in, in lockdown and nobody's going to the office and all of the physicians are still, you know, burnout and yeah. tired. And he said, so I just really want to know how you're doing. So on a scale of one to 10, there were probably 10 people on the call and they'd say eight, 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 seven, eight, nine, doing okay. And then my guy, Pete November, at the very end, he said, I'm going to be really honest with you all. He said, I'm having a really hard time. I think I'm like a three. Wow. And, in, and I'm, you know, my kids are in college and they don't even get to go to class. My mother-in-law, you know, he, he, he was very personal. And then he goes, so I'm curious, if we were to go around again, what number would you give now? And all of a sudden, Dan, people were honest. Wow. Yeah. I just had a friend die die from COVID three, four, five, but nobody gave an eight. So that just shows so much about when you, when you show up and you're real as a leader and you show people you care about them and you're Mm -hmm. honest. I mean, the world is your oyster, right? Talk about trust and psychological safety. I mean, I don't think this guy who's amazing would have been elected, you know, unanimously Uh, to be the CEO unless he had spent years really demonstrating such care and compassion to his team. You know, it reminds me of something. 
that I, I make fun of, I suppose, in keynotes and workshops and doing some consulting, and, and I shouldn't, but I do. And that is when leaders go around the room or they're in a one-on-one meeting, Michelle, then they say, hey, how you doing? And the perfunctory answer, right, is, yeah, I'm good. And then they move on to the business results or the business, you know, performance metrics or whatever it is. Is that, is that kind of where you're getting at? It's like there was actually a, a, a stop motion movement right there by the leader who said, actually, I'm going to be vulnerable right now. I'm going to be authentic to your point of connecting with the team, showing care and compassion and say, no, actually, I'm going to let you know how I'm really feeling. And now I want to really know how you're doing. Absolutely. I'll give you another example. Juan Martin is in my book. He's the global president of Kind Bars. And so we've had some incredible interviews. I'll never forget. He got st- he's from Spain, but but yeah. Mars bought Kind. And so the corporate offices are in Manhattan. So his home is on the Upper East Side, but he got stuck in lockdown in Spain. And he has two tiny kids and he's the global president. And I don't even think his office that we would have our interviews had a door because his precious little five-year-old would was still taking, she was going to classes on Eastern time oh, from I see. Spain. It was chaos, right? And wow. she'd come, you know, it'd be dinner time, whatever. And she'd come hop on Juan Martin's lap during an interview. Daddy, you know, both in Spanish and English, when are you going to stop working and come to dinner? And you can't hide that stuff, right? So anyhow, we had all these amazing interviews. And then I just had him on my podcast recently. I said, Juan, yeah. everybody's back. What are you doing to connect now? And he lifted up his espresso cup. And of course, it helps that he has this gorgeous European accent. And he's like, Michel. He said, I'm a European. I love espresso. My people know that in our one-on-ones, we have 30-minute one-on-ones every other week. For the first at least seven minutes, we are having a cup of coffee together. And we're not talking about anything but personal. That's connection. Gosh, that's that's lovely. Hence, you know, why I love those bars and the fact they're called kind and everything about both that company ethos and that leader. I mean, legendary, isn't it? It's fantastic. It is mind blowing. I One of our interviews, Dan, was right before his big performance, annual performance interview with the um, chairman of the board. Yeah. I said, Juan, are you nervous? He said, no, I'm not nervous. I said, how many bars did you sell? And he said, again, in that accent, Michelle. It is not how many bars that I sold. He goes, that's only one metric. He goes, we're most concerned with acts of kindness. I said, what? He goes, my goal was 250 million acts of kindness and we didn't reach it, but I'm going to reach it this year. Uh, Well, next time you chat with him, tell him that on the regular Costco order is that box of kind bars that uh, shows up here in our place in Victoria, BC. Um, The third of the three types of connection is, of course, organization and what you refer to as the key ingredient of alignment. So when you speak to alignment or write in the book, you're talking about the personal alignment, you know, with or to the organization, um, that positive culture. And then also what I was was I loved uh, was owning your calendar. So take us a little bit around alignment and how that relates back to connection and the organization as a leader. Yeah, Dan, when I was trying to deconstruct and figure this all out of what connection looked like, felt like, sounded like, um, I didn't know what connection with the organization really was and meant. And through all of these really fantastic interviews, I remember I sat down with Warner Thomas, who's the CEO of of Sutter Health out in California, just started. And I said, how in the world do you, you're in charge of 36,000 employees. How do you connect as an organization? And he said, first and foremost, 
it is alignment. Yeah, I have to, I had to figure out what my values were, right? And make sure that that I could then align myself with where the company's going because nobody will believe me, right? right? He said, second of all, I had to own my calendar. And he said, I follow GE's model. And, and we know as executives what our entire annual calendar looks like that we begin with uh Power of One, which is uh, all about their big system of leadership event yep. where they bus in thousands of people. He said, and then we know we go into strategic planning and then we go into employee engagement. And he said, we know what the annual calendar looks like. He said, so that's on a broad perspective. And then I have to own my calendar. I have to make sure that I pick the top key stakeholders that are critical to my success Am I meeting with them? How often should I meet with them? And what should those meetings look like? And Dan, this is what I'm learning about um, connection with the organization now is we're we're reimagining how meetings are conducted. So um, Mm. Scott Osman, who's the president of 100 Coaches Agency, just said recently, he said, Michelle, if people now want a face-to-face meeting with me, which I would love, he said, and it's a pretty day, I say, meet me in Central Park. And those walking meetings, shoulder to shoulder, are some of the best meetings I've had. I'll give you another example. Eden Ezel is the chief of compliance at Auctioner. And she said, Michelle, I'm reimagining all of our meetings. We've been stuck at home for two and a half years. I haven't seen my people. And as the chief, I was the one sending out the um, calendar invites for my one-on-ones with my direct reports. But I realized, wait, those meetings are really for them to get what they need from me. So why in the world am I dictating that they're going to be 30 minutes on Zoom every other week? She said, so I sent out an email to my direct reports and said, how can this plays to kind of servant leadership too? How can I serve you? How can these meetings meet your, your needs and goals? Tell me what you want. She said, each of my direct reports came back with a different need. One of them said, I'm an extreme extrovert and I really miss seeing you. Can we meet for coffee once a month? Another, oh, wow. one said, another one said, I really don't need to see you as much, Eden. Can we talk for 30 minutes once a month? I'm good. She said, so we just re, you've got to reconnect it. Connecting with the organization is so much about your operating rhythm and your calendar and how you're meeting. But now is the time to reimagine how to be successful. That that actually segues to the final question before we find out where to find out more about you. So, you know, you are, uh, you continue to to teach, you know, uh, you continue to consult, you continue to executive coach, continue to do your keynotes. So you're, you, you are always um, a practitioner. You're a pracademic, Michelle. So you're practical and the research and you kind of all comes together. What are you gleaning these days, if you will? Because, you know, the book was written and the book is out, but now there's still learnings I think it's happening for you. So what are you gleaning these days from the three types of connection and how are they, how do you, there are some examples you've seen them being applied in what, uh, if I can suggest is a post pandemic world or an endemic world, perhaps like give us a, a couple examples that you're seeing, like wasn't in the book, but now it's like, here, it's actually happening. This is great. Yes. So the first thing that I'm I'm doing right now as an academic and a practitioner is I'm developing a free connection assessment so that leaders can know at the end of the year, am I connecting? And if I'm not, what can I do better? Because what I've learned about connection is it requires an energy of reciprocity. So think about that. This seismic shift we're seeing really is going from that one-way transactional 
top down, which was communication, right? But it was very much the leader just communicating to the people, not a whole lot of reciprocity. And so now what we're finding is that people, in order to feel connected, they want to be seen, heard, valued, and appreciated. So I'm going to put on my website a free connection assessment. So at the end of the year, you can see, do you feel, you as the leader can send this out, quick survey monkey, do you feel seen, heard, valued, appreciated? If not, how can you better connect with me? Because it has to be reciprocal. And how can I better connect with you? And I really think we're going to come up with some excellent strategies. Um, I, uh, as you were asking, I'm sure your listeners want, okay, what do I do, Michelle? And I really strongly encourage using the breakout rooms. Um, if you have a big team call, try not to look at meetings, particularly virtual meetings as one way, you, the leader, just dictating. Right. Try to make sure to create kind of a conversation and you can do that in breakout rooms. Begin with some sort of connection question. If you're talking about innovation, you know, just begin with, I want you all to take risks to be innovative and I've made mistakes. And so let's just go around and share what is the mistake you made when you were really trying to take a risk? Because we want that. That's what I'm talking about. I want to get out of some people give pushback, like, I don't want to begin with an icebreaker. You know, that's not what I'm saying. And I'm also not saying, you know, to become, you know, your people's therapist. And it's yeah. all about feelings. Not at all. This is about results and how you get the results you need is through connection. And how you connect is by saying, let's just begin. I want to hear. Tell me about a mistake you've made. Tell me about a risk you took. And that builds that trust, psychological safety, connection in order to to achieve what you want. So good. We could chat for hours. Uh, We're going to have you back on here because we have more to unpack, I'm certain, in 2023. Uh, Dr. Michelle K. Johnson, the book is The Seismic Shift in Leadership. Where can we find more about you, the book, and everything that you are up to? Oh, I'd love to hear from your listeners. Yeah, give me a holler. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me about what strategies you're, you know, employing and whether they work or not. MichelleKJohnston.com is my website. I would love to hear from you all. Fantastic. Well, the book is a crackerjack. I really enjoyed it. It's thorough. The stories are incredible. You got so many details in there uh, from individuals and organizations and the combination of the three Uh, types of connection points that you uh, advocate for uh, the self, yourself, the team, and the organization. I just love it. Uh, Really well done. Um, Get yourself a copy, people. Dr. Michelle K. Johnson, thank you so much for joining today on Leadership Now. And uh, for those listeners and watchers of the show, uh, tune in again. Never know who's going to show up on the show. Thanks, Michelle. Dan, you brought a tear to my eye. You are a beautiful connector. You really did. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. I love reading and working with people who are way smarter than me.